everyone, and welcome to The Wanderlust Show with your hosts, me, Mimi Novik, and Nick Payne, aka Lord Chalkwell. Thank you so much for joining us on this beautiful journey together, and we hope a place where you can relax and share some wonderful stories of life, courage, success, dreams, adventures, and all things in between that make the journey of life worth living. We hope to reignite your hope and passion to make a better world and inspire you to take the chance to live the best life possible. Come and enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the brand new show, The Wanderlust Show, which is presented by me, your host, Mimi Novik, and Nick Payne, aka Lord Chalkwell. Ah, thank you so much for joining us today. This is our first episode, and we have an absolutely wonderful guest to kickstart the show. It's an absolute honor uh, and a pleasure to welcome the ever-lovely Francoise Pascal. Now, Francoise is an actress, a producer, author, and radio presenter. She has had one of the most fascinating careers in showbiz, which has taken her from being in the centre of swinging London in the mid-60s to cult status as a model and actress in the 70s. She finally found solace as a humanitarian dedicated to helping the underprivileged and elderly. Francoise was educated in Paris and London. Her first taste of showbiz came when she was dancing on Top of the Pops in the 60s. And her first film was Loving Feeling, a film by Bashu Sen. And You know, this is amazing as well. She was one of the co-stars in There's a Girl in My Soup appearing with the legendary Peter Sellers, which I have to say is one of my favourites. Now, one day when she was having lunch with her then partner, Richard Johnson, at the White House, well, actually not even at the White House, at the White Elephant in Mayfair. Maybe it was even at the White House, who knows? Um, Kirk Douglas spotted her and offered her the lead role in a film. But she turned it down to do a film with Jeanne Roland. And I hope I'm saying this correctly. One of her most famous roles also was playing Danielle in the cult comedy series Mind Your Language, which was very, very well known. And um, I think it was one of the things that made Francoise exceptionally um, famous. Now, having experienced the highs of a glittering film stage and television career, as many of us, there were also the turbulent lows, which she will talk to us about. And this ranged from an unhappy and turbulent relationship to abortion, rape, affairs, drugs. And really, you know, so amazingly, she has survived it all and is here to tell her 
amazing story, incredible life story, and how she has turned all of that into helping those less privileged. And I am delighted and honoured to welcome dear Francoise. Thank you. <laughs> that was wow. quite incredible. I know, it was incredible. I've, I've got what, my mouth open. What an introduction, my goodness. <laughs> well, you know, Francoise, I, I have to say, ever since, you know, Nick, you know, said, we're going to have you on the show, I've been very excited and I want, you know, to definitely lay that red carpet out for you. Oh. Thank you. Thank you so much. Wow, I don't know if I, I don't know if I deserve all that. Well, she's never laid the carpet out for me ever. <laughs> but then I don't deserve it. Yeah, go on. Don't be jealous. Don't be jealous now. You've had your time. You've had your time. Let yeah, me I'm, have I'm, mine, I'm, okay, I'm, Nick? I'm, yeah, I'm, ab absolutely, darling. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now thank you again, Francoise. And You're welcome. I um, you know, I was looking through all the things that you have done and all the things that you do and for me, it's like having a legend here now. Wow. Um, you know, I'm really, really honoured. And I know Nick speaks so highly of you um, that oh. it was, it, it, isn't it, Nick? It was something that had to be done. Absolutely. Well, as I said, you know, I, I was a young man and, and um, you know, as I say, watching Mind Your Language in the, in the 70s, late 70s, you know, it was amazing for me to, to um, actually get the opportunity to um, meet up with Francoise and she knows that. And as I said, and it's just been such a good journey as well. We got to know each other over the last five or six years. Amazing. And I never thought, you know, looking back at that time that I'd ever meet Francoise. It was quite amazing to me. We, um, had, we, we had a good laugh on the, you know, along the way. Oh, yeah. Along the way, that's right. Exactly. No, we, we did. We did. Um, as I said, and I'd sort of... So where did first, you, how did you two meet? Um, well, I connected up with um, Francoise. I didn't know whether it was her because you get these idiots on Facebook that put celebrity faces <laughs> up and pretend, <laughs> pretend it's them, yeah? But, um, but it just happened to be that Francoise was Francoise. And I said, are you the Francoise Pascal that was in Mind July language? And she said, yes, yes, yes. And we connected up and then... You was oh, annoying me by that. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, I, I think... I think I've been stalking or something. Yeah, so then um, I um, we agreed to meet at uh, in Joe Allen's Francoise, wasn't it, in Covent Garden? That's and right. That's right. We, we we met up, and I was I was running a bit late, and Francoise was really wasn't happy with me when I got there. So I had to go on full charm offensive. I'd, I'd had a few bit to drink as well, but um, we had a anyway. We, we we got into the meal and and we got going chatting, and we got on really really well and then I could, have said to, I could have said to him how dare you make me wait do you know I, who well, I am I, I think you I think you did say that to me I didn't I did not say no you, you didn't but no we had a we had a really nice evening and then our friendship really sort of developed from there and we Francois said about the um heritage foundation which is they're the people that put the um decide on the blue plaques for the people plaques for the people that have passed away and you know mainly sort of well, showbiz people or whatever, in all different fields, but mainly mm -hmm. sort of show business. Of a comedian, and, comedian and actors. Yeah, 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 that, those those sorts of people. And and um, so Francois said about um, going on these lunches, but I'd had so much to drink when she was telling me, and I'd sort of almost forgotten about it. And then I 
I got a phone call. This I think we went out on a Friday night, Francois, and then it was a Monday. I got a That's call right. from this guy called David Graham, who looked like he'd been ironed. David Graham, he was so thin, he looked like he'd been ironed. And um, and he, he came on and sort of said, oh, I'm David Graham. Da, 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 da. And I thought, oh, that's right. And I, then I remembered what Francoise had said. So I then sort of joined Francoise on these heritage lunches, which were really, really good, because I love all that show business thing and, you know, the people that I'd seen, in the, you know, in the films and mm. people like Liz Fraser that's no longer with us and um, all these different different people that I'd, I'd seen. Nor is the, David. The... No, I know David's. David died. No, I heard. I heard that. You, you told me that. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know that until... Yeah, um, but there was all these different different people that, you know, I'd sort of got the opportunity to meet. Um, and then sort of there was a big lunch because Robin Gibb, or the late Robin Gibb from the Bee Gees, used to be the um, president of the Heritage Foundation. So his wife said, I think it was about two or three years ago, wasn't it? Um, Do you guys want right. to have the, have the Heritage Lunch here? Which was in Oxfordshire, and that was a lovely day, Francois, wasn't it? In, in um, the Prevendor, his property, Robin That's Gibb's right. property. And that yeah. was a really, really good lunch there. So, yeah, I had some really good times doing that, which I wouldn't have obviously done if I'd not met up with Francoise. And, uh, yeah, it, and we've had we've had some good fun since, haven't we, darling? We've had some we good did, fun. We did, And we've kept in touch, you know, all the time. We haven't... I mean, some people I know that keeps in touch with you and then afterwards they disappear. But Nick hasn't, you know. Nick has always been Nick. Oh. <laughs> yes. He's there. He's there. Like a yeah, he's there. <laughs> no, it's, it, it's great. But I'm as I said, yeah, no, 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 no. We've had, we've had, you know, it's been great knowing you. And as I said, and we've done some good things together. And and we were talking about, you know, we're going to meet up in the new year. And as I said, we were talking about Francoise is is uh, working on this new film production at the moment, which is really exciting for her too. It's just been a pain, like it has been for everybody with the COVID. And um, you know, it's put a lot of people. You know, in a, in a very difficult. Well, I've position. actually been working on this film for five years, um, producing it, and trying, you know, and found the money and found everything together, put together. Um, but it's it has been a long haul, um, trying to get things, um, you know, going. Um, yeah. But this film is 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 one of of a project that I. I am extremely proud of, extremely proud of, because it's a yeah. fabulous thriller and it's starring uh, Patrick Bergen and mm-hmm. uh, and with uh, Ian Ogilvie, um, Sean Williamson. Uh, we have some fabulous actors um, on board. Mm. And and uh, my co-producer is uh, the late Donald Sinden's son, Mark Sinden. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. So we, we really have a fabulous, fabulous film that, you know, we will be looking forward to presenting to the public and presenting yeah. to everybody. Can you tell us a little bit about it, what the, the plot or anything, or is it pretty secret at the moment? I'm not sure. Well, at the moment, it's a little sort of like secretive. Um, we don't want to say too much about the plot. No, 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 I understand that. And no, I just wanted to um, any... But, but it, is, it, it is a thriller. And it is a, a, you know, riveting thriller. That's all Good. I can say. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. And when are you hoping um, for that to come out, Francoise? About the end of next year. Okay. Okay. So, which will be, which we will have um, ready for uh, a preview by the end of next year, and it'll come out by, by um, sort of like yeah, end, end of next year, beginning of the year after. 
of 22. Mm -hmm. Amazing. I mean, I want to go back, actually, and (laughs) ask you a little bit about, let's start somewhere. Tell us a little bit about where your incredible life started, because it is, when you read about it, it is really the things that films are made about, in fact. Um, <laughs> it, it's fascinating, really, it is. Um, Thank you. It really, it, it, well, it's something beautiful that I would love, you know, for you to share with us, with Nick and myself and the listeners out there, because there is so much more to you and you have a fascinating life. How did it all begin? It all began on on an island um, where I was born. Um, I was born on the island of Mauritius and uh, with French and Mauritian parents. Mm. And uh, it all began there with a dream that I had when I was a young girl. Um, You know, I remember acting in front of a mirror um, and thinking, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to do. Nothing else. (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) And... um, and I was quite, you know, I mean, I, I just loved the films that I used to see when I was a little girl. And that those films were period films, um, like with Sissy, with Romy Schneider, and uh, all the period films that, um, you know, you could say we were able to watch at, at a young age. Mm. Uh, and the dream came from there, from, you know, seeing those films. And then when we came to England, um, we actually went to, um, um, you know, I mean, I saw all the most beautiful people around me and I used to think, oh, I want to be like them. I want to be like them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't want to be a little girl from from an island. You know, I want to be among the bigger picture, and which I did. I actually found myself in the 60s, um, you know, um, I found myself with Julie Christie, uh, meeting the animals, Eric Burden of the animals, mm. and uh, going to their, their record launch. And I don't know how the hell was I invited to those things. I really promise you. I've, I've, I've got no a pretty idea. good idea. <laughs> the way you look. <laughs> what? I said the way you look. You're very attractive and, and, you know, and, and you're very... Um, bubbly character and just you know one of these people that you know ma- magnet yeah it's, yeah that's what, it, that's what it's about well yeah maybe <laughs> but I was actually more or less um I had my eyes were on 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 as I said the bigger picture and 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 therefore I you know I became I wanted to become an actress and I wanted to learn and which I did learn, I went to to, to school for that. And um, and I I mean, ordinary school, when I went to ordinary school, I did not learn much because I just hated it so much. You know, I was above all those things and I knew I was was clever, but I didn't think I was intelligent and I knew I wasn't that intelligent. Mm. But uh, I, I had some kind of intelligence, you know, I mean, I was able to actually, uh, put things together, but really, um, you know, to to 
knowledge comes from what you do in life, you know, because that that is the the knowledge of of life, really. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I, you know, and I began my career by this first film that Bashu did called Loving Feeling, and I actually lied to him about my age. I was only 17 years old and my mother had to sign um, the, the, the contract. And, uh, and when he went to my mother, he, he said, I thought she was 18 or 19. And my mother said, no, she's only 17, just turned 17. And uh, she was really mad at me. <laughs> but what, what, why, what happened was that I actually, you know, was... Um, had to appear uh, half nude. In those days, you weren't allowed to show the front, only just the back. And I, you know, I was really scared. Um, so they they gave me that little, you know, um, he gave, the producer gave me uh, um, brandy to drink so that I could be at ease uh, to do it. Uh, but it, it was it was nothing really. I mean, when you think about it today, the way nudity goes, it was mm. it's much more today than it is than it was in those days. But at the same time, I, I received. I mean, the Daily Mirror. Um, took me from being in that film and and exposed me completely as you know the, an actress as the face to be seen in the future and mm. the the Daily Mirror actually gave me this this incredible uh, start uh, in in a career that I didn't even know I was going to have. Right. Then I went to France and I you know did few things, I mean, I went to college in France and I went to La Sorbonne and decided afterwards, after La Sorbonne, to leave La Sorbonne and come back to England. And I started making more films and I met Richard Johnson and I actually lived with him for 11 years. And whilst I was living with him, um, I had a lot of offers that was coming to me, um, but he didn't want me to actually and be a star because he was the star of the family and he really did not want me to be a star. He wanted me to actually be in the background all the time. And there was that kind of male chauvinistic uh, attitude in, in the 70s existed everywhere in England and even in France or in America or anywhere. But the chauvinistic attitude was rife, really bad. Um, so I was, you know, I stayed behind a lot of things. And every time I was offered something, um, somehow um, I, I wasn't able to do it because uh, I had, uh, he would he would actually sort of put me in the background. Um, when I remember when I did There's a Girl in My Soup and I actually... You, you know, at the premiere of There's a Girl in My Soup, behind me were the, the, the executives from Colombia. And then you had, you know, and then uh, next to me or behind me again was were the actors. Um, and Michael Caine was there with Shakira's wife. And uh, Sean Connery was there with his wife, Michelle. And, uh, you know, there was loads of people. And when I came on screen and people went, wow, you know, something like that. And and he, and he everybody wanted to meet me. I mean, he didn't want anybody to meet me. So he took me at the back door so that, you know, we were, I remember because we were in, um, in, in near Water Street. And he took me at the back door to go to a Chinese restaurant in Chinatown 
so that nobody would know me. Nobody would want to know me. Nobody would want to meet me. That's terrible. Um, I so didn't it know was that. one of yeah, it was a terrible thing. As I said, yeah. you know, it was very chauvinistic and it was really awful. But there you go. You 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 learn to to accept some of those things. Um, but at the same time, um, I you know, it was I was young, so I was able to actually, I mean, Columbia with uh, Peter and Goldie. And I went to Hollywood to open the film of uh, Peter and Goldie. And I was offered a, a, a year contract with uh, Columbia to actually do more films. But uh, somehow Richard got into it and, um, you know, I, everything just went. Everything do you just... think? Do you think that, Francois, sorry, do you think that Richard had a word with the, um, you know, the powers to be sort of thing to... to... I... I can't say because I do not know. I do not know. And if he did, um, God rest, God rest his uh, his soul. I'd kill him. Yeah. <laughs> if he was still alive, I still would kill him because I think he, he you know, he, I grew up with that man because I was very young when I met him, and I grew up with that man. And when yeah. you grow up with somebody that actually molds you. Uh, you accept a lot of things and uh, your youth is gone and you're, you know, and you, you suddenly bring out, um, you, you suddenly realize how uh, perverse the whole thing uh, is uh, because uh, it was like being uh, kidnapped. Mm. If mm. you know, you know what I mean? It was like being kidnapped. It was like being, put into a little a cupboard and when it's uh, when it f it feels like for him to open it and show me out it will do it it'll do it so yeah. it was really perverse in a lot of ways mm. um but my career actually you know um started when i was doing well kirk douglas when he saw me and he said i never forget this is <laughs> um the 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 ultimate compliment I've ever had from someone who said, who came to me and said, my, well, it was actually her, his wife came over and came over and said, my husband thinks you're the most beautiful woman he has ever seen. Oh, <laughs> That is coming from Kirk Douglas and his mm. wife, and I go, what? Yeah, <laughs> it amazing, was unbelievable. Yeah. It was just unbelievable. The ultimate compliment oh, yeah. a girl could ever have, you know. Mm. And when I was offered the film with, with uh, Kirk, unfortunately, I had already signed a contract uh, in France, so I couldn't really have done um, Kirk's film. But um, the ultimate role that came to me was the 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 the, um, the iron rose la rose de fer as we say in french um because that was a, a film that i researched madness um i don't know if you nick you might know this um mm -hmm. some people have a certain you know they, they their mind just goes away from themselves and yeah. they see a lot of things, and they 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 don't they be, they become a little in, in. There's a certain madness that goes into their head, into their yeah. brain. Yeah. And um, you know, you sort of you lose yourself completely, which I did in the, on the film. I did because I really, really loved doing that film um, because it was my film. It was something yeah. that I did it. 
and mm. nobody else, you know, I mean, I taught myself so much doing that film. I taught myself, I taught myself real acting, you know. I, to, to, I mean, this is something that no drama school can teach you. You can only teach yourself because mm. if you make so much, if you go out there and you, uh, and you, um, you are among people who, um, you know, who are in, in those institutions um, and, and you learn from these people and you, you, I, you know, you, you actually look at them and you go, my gosh, you know, I hope I'll never be like that in my lifetime. But it taught me an enormous lesson um, that, you know, whatever happens in your life, um, you, you, can't, you can't let it get to you. You have to actually go on and and get on with life yeah it's important that that you know you you do that uh but i've i must say you know and then afterwards i had such an incredible amount of wonderful work that came to me which i was very grateful for um and and then I, Mimi, you were Mimi, you were actually talking about the bad things that happened to me yes later. yeah um and those those happened when I you know I actually um, got pregnant um, and uh, I I fell out of a uh, of a house and on fire um, on the oh third goodness. floor from the third floor to the railings and um, my neck was between the railings and my arm went through the railings and I actually oh was pregnant goodness. at the time. Um, so I had to have an abortion. Well, I didn't have to have an abortion, but Richard made me have an abortion because um, he thought that the child would have been, you know, sort of not right. Although the doctors said it was right, but he wasn't really uh, pretty sure about that. So I had to have an abortion then. Um, but I was pretty. It was it was pretty traumatic um, because I my I would have had a little girl. Um, and that was really, that was really very, very traumatic for me. Um, but at the time also, I, what was more traumatic was that I nearly lost my life. I, I don't know. know. I don't know what happened, who saved me, whether there was a guardian angel saving me or whether it was my father saving me. I have no idea. But let me tell you, between. Between the house and the railings was a basement, and you would I would have either gone straight to the basement and splashed with my brains out, mm. or gone through the railings um, with my whole body going through the railings. But you survived. Somehow it. I came out with my arm between you know, my neck between the railings and my arm on the railing. Amazing! Um, amazing! Amazing! It's a, it's a miracle. Exactly. Uh, to totally, totally. Mm, mm, and uh, my mother always said that I had nine lives. <laughs> I, think I've actually, I've, no, I think I went through six. I got three more left. <laughs> it's incredible. I mean, I want to ask you also, um, Francoise, about... Mm. Now, Richard, he, in his own right, was a well-known, wasn't he, actor he was, at the time? He was a, an incredible actor. He was a mm. superb actor. You know, I mean, he was a Shakespearean actor as much as was a great a theatre actor uh, and a film actor. He was very famous and he was absolutely brilliant as an actor. I watched him work and it, I was in full admiration for that man because his acting was something 
unbelievable, unbelievable. Um, he filled the stage when he was on, you know. He mm. filled the cinema when he was yeah, on. Yeah, very big presence, wasn't it? Very impressive. And why didn't he ever become a big star? I have no idea. Um, I think it was a lot of mistakes he made um, by marrying Kim Novak for a start. Uh um, and, um, you know, by refusing James Bond, you know, he was the first, he, he was offered James Bond and he refused it. So, oh, okay. It could, could have been unbelievable in those days, but he didn't. The, the things that happen in our life, isn't it, Francoise? Yeah. It's the roads we take and roads we, that we don't take lead us to destinations. I don't know if it's destiny. I really don't. And I don't know either, but I think you're right. Yeah, it does lead us to a certain, um, you know, way of life that uh, that we don't we don't command you. We don't know about, and it's a mystery. Oh, excuse me, it's a mystery, and it's um, very very difficult to actually um, fathom the whole thing um, because there's a lot of my. Um, my path in life, I could have taken so much, so many paths, and I didn't take it. I saw just in, I saw um, Richard recently. It was because I recalled I used to love Tales of the Unexpected. I don't know whether you remember that, Mimi, but um, Francois, you remember I heard Tales? It. I, I do it. know. Yes, I do know. Tales, Tales of the Unexpected. Yeah, it was it was Roald Dahl. He used to write these these little little stories, and they were really yeah. good. And they had a twist to the end of them, and. Um, so I, I saw him, I, I sort of recorded one recently and Richard was in a one with um, Nigel Havers. And it was... Uh, yes, it was, that's it was, right. I, well, I, I was around when he, he did that, actually, because really? uh, I, I was doing a play in the Peterborough and uh, it was called uh, Bell, Book and Candle. And right. Bell, Book and Candle, if you remember, the film is with uh, Kim Novak and, uh, um, oh. and James Stewart. Yeah. Yeah. And I was I was playing the lead. I was playing Julian, um, the, the the role that Kim Novak had. So right. he came to see me. Richard came to see me to play to, to do the, when I was doing the play. We had broken up anyway at that time, right. and he came to see me. And I thought, oh my God, this is the ex-wife that did it, and now me, the ex-girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> too much. But he really enjoyed my performance, which which actually spoke volume about you know That's i was very proud of it very proud yeah. that he was there and, and said you know how, how good i was in it so that's brilliant yeah, it was nice it was nice yeah and and I, I visited the the set um of the tales of the expected with him and and, and um no, they were you. actually doing it in northamptonshire was it? It was yeah. It was like they were crossing over some sort of. It was some. It was they were they were. It was in the Egypt. I think it was. That's right. It was, it was actually Northampton. That they were. <laughs> yeah, I was in Northampton. It was. It was. Good, but, but that, but I tell. I tell you, ladies. In the in the seventies, I yeah. used to go to parties because I was quite. You know, I was, you know, sort of late teens and all that. And my um, my party piece used to be the dance at the start of the Towers of the Unexpected. It was a woman. It was like a naked woman, but you couldn't see she was naked. But, you you know, you could see it like a sort of James Bond type woman dance mm. cavorting around. And that used to be my party piece at any parties that I used to go to. The Towers of the Unexpected <laughs> dance, yeah? with a, with a fire <laughs> With a fire behind me, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> so, but, Come on, Nick. You're still doing that now, aren't you? Do you, know exactly. what? do you know what? The only reason I don't do it anymore is that nobody's old enough, older than me now. Nobody Bloody knows what I'm doing, 
but um, <laughs> but, but it used to used to be a, used to be a, it amused me anyway when I used to do it, and I didn't really care about it. Everybody else was amused by it, but I used to get amused by it. I used to do it myself. But um, <laughs> look, don't let it put you off. You can perform that still when you no, go to you a know party. I, I, no, but it was, I used to I used to love it. It was one of the one of the shows in the in the seventies seventies, and I think it went into the early eighties as well. But it mm-hmm. was one of the, one of the other shows that I used to <laughs> used to love. But um, and I, but, I, but just getting on to what we were saying about Peter Sellers, I always say to Francois when I meet, I always say, "What was Peter Sellers like?" Because he was that was the... my question. That was going to be my next question. What was Peter Sellers like, Francois? He was wonderful. I absolutely adored that man. He was. Uh, I know people thought he was one of those uh, one of those actors that were sports and and um, crazy, mad, or whatever. Uh, it was difficult to to deal with. But he was difficult with producers and directors because he he was so much of a, a, a genius of what he did as a comedian and uh, as an actor that mm. uh, you know he didn't want to always prove himself all the time because he wanted them to to realize how good he was um, right. and how wonderful he was, really. That's all he wanted, is to be well, a pat, to have a pat on his back, you know, and say, you're fabulous, Peter, you're great, Peter. And it's one of those about, you know, it's, it's the old Hollywood kind of, of, of um, uh, idiosyncrasy of, you know, you, you have to be treated like, like, like a child most of the time. Um, with these, uh, you know, with the studio actors. And uh, although Peter did start in England, the studios uh, in, at Ealing, but but he always had that that sort of group around him who would, mm. who would be always, you know, sort of like, yes, sir, no, sir, free bags full, sir. He didn't yeah. like that very much. He, didn't, he really didn't. But he wanted to let them know that he was actually a, a, a very good actor. But he had, he was a womanizer. <laughs> No, <laughs> he had his eyes on on so many up. women. It was unbelievable. Um, and when I when I actually worked with him, he didn't turn up on the set for about ten days later um, because he was out there somewhere with somebody, you know. And he was about to be married to somebody else when we did Girl in My Soup, and uh, he was uh, in he was somewhere in Rome or with another woman. Um, <laughs> well, he was, wasn't he? Wasn't he with Sophia Loren? He was with. He, he was. He had an affair with. Yeah, that was, is that yeah. true? Yes, that and, was true. That was years ago. Years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and also, and also, he was really good friends with Princess Margaret as well, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. He well, did, he was he, a bit of a social glamour anyway. Yeah. Did you see that film that he did? That he did with. He did, they did like a, it was like a, a cine movie film with Princess Margaret, and, and, and it was it was really funny, and it was like in the mid-60s. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and yeah. the Queen, the queen yeah. must have been horrified by it. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but um, no, and and um, obviously, in Peter playing um, Inspector Clouseau in the Pink Panther films, which was just unbelievable. Um, the Pink Panther films were just my favourite. and yeah. A lot of people's favourite. But favorite the, thing, the thing is that, yeah, yeah. Let, let me finish what, what, you know, about Sorry. the film that I did with him. Um, yeah, the, the girl in my soup was was wonderful um, when the first time I ever met him, and um, he, as I said, he came about ten days later, and I, I loved it because I was getting paid, <laughs> um, and absolutely loved it. But uh, then then um, I was chosen to play with among 
um, the girls, Les Girls, uh, in a film called Soft Beds and Hard Battles. And in Soft Beds and Hard Battles, we, uh, Jenny Henley was with me and uh, Rula Lenska and all that. And uh, we, you know, and he actually came a month later. Um, we were supposed to be on the set on the first day, uh, but it never turned up. So we waited a month for him to turn up. And when he turned up, he turned up with Liza Minnelli. He <laughs> was with her. As you do. <laughs> As you do. So yeah. when, she goes, when she arrives on the set and, you know, with Peter, they gave her a seat. And whilst we were always on the set at four o'clock in the morning, never had a bloody seat. Really? <laughs> yeah. Tight we devils. Have a chair. <laughs> Liza with a Z. Yeah, Liza with a Z. We were so mad. All of us became, we went, how dare they? How dare they? We've been working so hard here and no one gave us a seat. We had to sit on the props. <laughs> Did, 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 did Pete have an affair with her as well? I, I, I couldn't tell you. I wasn't in their bedroom. <laughs> Good answer. So I'm not going to speculate on something I don't know. No, that's fair enough. Yeah, but he would, he would, he would definitely be one of my. If I had a, if I had a, a dinner thing, you know, of people that have passed away, sort of, uh, it would be, it would be Peter Sellers, John Lennon, Freddie Mercury. I'm just trying to think who else it had, but um. All yeah. the mad people. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, he, yeah. He was, he was one. He was one of the one of the ones that I would definitely, um, definitely have on my list. He was, he was quite amazing. It must have been fantastic to, to work with him. You know, it um, was lovely working with him. And he was, he was actually um, what I, I I loved about him is that he would switch from one character to another. Yeah, yeah. Um, in 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 uh, soft beds and hard battles, he was actually he played. Uh, Five or six parts, I think, or something like that. Mm. Um, he was a genius. I learned a lot. Sort of like a, yeah. He was a genius. He yeah. taught me a lot about comedy, and he taught me, you know, how to. You know, he, he was the first person to teach me about comedy mm. uh, in films, um, which I was very grateful to him. Um, the second person who taught me comedy in on television is um, Terry Scott. When I oh, did yeah. Happy Ever After with him. Yeah. Uh, so he was the second one who taught me comedy on television. Yeah, because well, I used to watch, obviously, another program I used to watch um, was Terry and June, obviously, and the sort of 70s yeah. and 80s thing. And yeah, but, right, yeah, but Terry and June, they started uh, the series called um, uh, Happy Ever After. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. I remember that. And you was in yeah, that. that was, yeah, that's how they started the series. And I was in Happy Ever After. Yeah. Amazing. When you look back now, Francoise, at yeah. this somewhat charmed life, I suppose, and as all of us in this life, we have the highs and the lows. Yeah. How, you know, reading about the things that you've gone through, how have you managed to keep so positive and so vibrant? Because I can, you know... You have been through a lot in life. I think I, I think being positive is. Um, I had a beautiful son, who I absolutely adore, and I have um, 
I've I'm lucky, and I thank God of the things that I of my life for my life because I didn't. Um, I never went homeless. Um, I've always had a roof over my head. Um, I never went without a man. <laughs> I've always had one. Oh, God. No, I have never been without a man. <laughs> I've always had one around. <laughs> I never was without one. Oh, I wish I wasn't, honestly. Um, uh, but <laughs> uh, yeah, there, I've always had a man around telling me what to do. Uh, I've, um, as I said, I've always had food on my table and I've always, um, even today, you know, being on my own, I, I really, I have a roof over my head, although it hasn't been an easy life. It really hasn't. I mean, you might think that I've, I've had an easy life with all this wonderful thing that's happened to me Mm -hmm. and all these things that, no, it hasn't been an easy life because I've had to struggle and I'm still, Mm -hmm. I am still struggling at getting, you know, things together and at at putting my production together to, you know, living and things like that and uh, living on a, 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 you know, basically on a, um, on a pension, you know, um, and every time you try to actually do something and, you know, you, you want to, to get things organized and done and something always comes in and comes around and pulls you away from it. Yeah. Um, it, it's, it's, it. It hasn't been easy, but as you say, why do I keep positive? Mm. I have two beautiful grandchildren and I love them to bits. And I know that I do everything that I'm doing today is for them. And, um, you know, so that they can have a proper life. You know, they don't struggle. I don't want them to struggle. I don't want them to go through life, you know, sort of saying, when is my next meal coming from? Yeah. Um, I want them to actually have everything they want. Um, but at the same time, they have to learn. There's a lot of things they have to learn. And I think my son is very good with them. And my son and his wife would always teach them how to be able to, you know, um, uh, how to to get things that they want through themselves and not depending on anybody or anything. Um, and uh, they keep me positive, very positive about life. And uh, and I I have hope. I have a lot of hope. Um, and I also pray, you know, I pray all the time and um, I do my rosary every day. So therefore that keeps me positive. So many things keeps me positive. When I think of the life that I've had, I am grateful of that life because it taught me a lot. That's and fantastic. I'm still going. Mm, it's funny, isn't it? I was saying about grandchildren. I've got, what are your grandchildren's names, Francois? Sorry? Your, what your grandchildren? What what are their names? Your grandchildren's names? Oh, Alfie and Ruby. Alfie and Ruby. Yeah, because I'm, I'm just saying because. And Ruby, they, Ruby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because grandchildren, I've got. Grandchildren. Seven and nine. Yeah, they're just they're fantastic, aren't they? I've got two grandchildren too, and I never when I was <clears throat> I don't know about you when when I, I would think the same when I was younger and I had my my girls I never really was there very much because I was always working. But when my grandchildren came along, um, they're quite amazing, really, because you just, I sort of, you know, was with them quite a lot more. 
And yeah. I, don't, I, I know, you know, you know, Francoise, the feeling you get with grandchildren, it's a feeling that you, you don't experience any other time. It's quite amazing, really. So I know exactly what you mean, you know? Yeah. Lovely, but also, the, the other thing that keeps me positive also is to help other people. Um, you know, I, I always try to help wherever I am. I always try to help the homeless by giving them um, food, by giving them um, clothes when they need it. Um, and I know a little girl that I've looked after, a girl that I've looked after quite a bit um, all the time, giving her money for her, her host hostel um, and uh, giving her my a coat that I didn't need because it was, it, it's so cold out there mm. and, and gloves and, uh, you know, and food whenever she needs it or whatever. But, you know, I mean, I see them all the time by the station and it really breaks my heart that yeah. I can't do more than that, you know, um, and I, I, and it makes me feel good to to be able to help people, and I like helping them, and I like helping the elderly also to make make sure that they are all right, and if they need to cross a road or need to do anything, shopping or whatever, if I can do that for them, I will do it for them. Mm. Um, so it's it's it gives you an incredible satisfaction in life. And you you do keep positive about your life when you help others because mm. you feel that you are fortunate enough to have you know to have what you have even yeah. if little even if you have little um, you know it's all right you know you're okay you're okay um, you go home you are you have a roof uh, under your uh, uh, on top of your head when you go home. Mm. Um, but these people can't go home because they have no roof. They have nothing. Um, you know, they might have, through circumstances, they've lost everything. Um, and it could have happened to me also. You know, so how grateful can you get for your life? Yeah, well, and the three, and the three of us, I know, we sort of believe in karma as well. And, you know, you do good things. And good things do come back to you. And, and you get a good sense of... You know, yeah, but you well-being. shouldn't be doing things to get back to you. You know, for things to get back to you, you should be doing things. No, to no, you. but you know, you know, no. I, I know I, what I, you I, mean. I, I know what I you're trying to say. say. I think, yeah. I think, when I said about going back to you, I think what I mean, what I, what I do mean is that you. It makes you feel good. It makes you feel. It yeah. gives you a lot of pleasure. And makes gives you, you satisfaction good. that you've done something good for somebody. It, Exactly, exactly right. And that's that's what it's, you know, I think that's what life's about. And if yeah. more people did that, you know, wouldn't life be so much better, you know? Um, yeah. Unfortunately, not everybody's like it. And this pandemic has really, really heightened all of that situation. Oh, it has. It has, actually. It makes you realise the things that you you have, you know, that makes you realize um, uh, enormously. I mean, before you used to pass them and so, okay, fine, give them some money and that's it, you know, because then you know they're going to be fine or whatever. But now you you think twice about it. You actually, yeah. you might give them some money, but talk to them, you know, because you actually, you know, they, they can be very depressed also. So, you know, depression is one of the worst things that you could ever, that anyone can ever have in their lives. And, yeah. um, but you have to talk to people. So whenever I do something and give something to, to a homeless person or, or to whoever, you know, I always have to stay and talk to them so that they have a certain amount of, of, um, of hope in their life. Because without hope, there's, you know, you're nothing, you're nobody. No, that's exactly right. 
that's the truth, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's a case of, I think, especially in these times, but always through humanity. I don't know about you, Nick and Francoise, but I always find that if we have been, you know, like each of us can go through turbulent times in our life, it somehow gives us an understanding, a deeper understanding about compassion yep. towards yeah. other people. And in a way, it's people usually who have gone through the greatest tragedies in life that are able to comfort those in times such as these. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Totally, uh, I agree, totally agree. And well, it's it's one of those things that people have, um, you know, that, that some people don't understand that. When when I look at Facebook, um, I look at people that indulge themselves so much about something that they've done or something that they've, um, you know, or they have cancer or things like that, and they have to always ask for, uh, for uh, acceptance always ask for being, um, you know, for feeling sorry for them. For them. Um, I, yeah, sure, I feel sorry for people who has any kind of diseases or whatever, but I can't, you know, but why do you always have to say, I am, you know, I have this or I have that on, on social media? And if you look around you, you'll see the amount of people that are suffering uh. in silence, you know, and, and not able to talk about it because they, they're they either afraid to talk about it or they don't want to talk about it. And these are the people that you need to help because these are the people that, you know, can go into depression. And that depression is the most, is a horrible, horrible thing to happen. And it happened to me many times, you know, being depressed. And, and wanting to actually take my own life, you know, because of the depression that I've been through, I went through. Um, but you have to really, you know, think about the people that cannot talk about it and, and won't talk about it. And they go through that depression, they can kill themselves or they can do something drastic to themselves. So these are the people that needs to be helped. You yeah. know, not the one bragging about things on Facebook that, that, gets to me so much you know do you think it's also maybe the sign of the times Francoise where yes it is yes it is I'm afraid you know where maybe it's like there are tragic things out there and there are really terrible things that happen and I think we've all experienced that somewhat in our lives some more than others but social media although it has its good points it's become I think a lot of it is that there is a tendency that it becomes a little bit, as you know, the old saying goes, the me show, where mm. people become self-obsessed. And I found that a lot, is that it's all about them. Yes. And it's that's when absorbs. Isn't it? It's yeah. sort of people then, when it becomes all about you, not, mm. you know, per se, like if we become so self-obsessed that it's all about us, we are going to be miserable and that's sad. Right. That's and exactly right. Because it's a spiral and it's a well that never, it's never filled. Yeah. Because you can never have too much attention. And you know more about that, you know, being in the limelight for such a yeah. long time. Yeah. Where does it stop? In fact, where does reality sort of sink in? And the, the lines are often blurred, aren't they? 
Yes, they are. But the reality will sink in when you actually realize that, um, you know, as you grow older, you mm. realize how your life has been in, in such a way that, you know, people, you, they, there's, there's a, a, a certain way that you recognize um, the truth about yourself and there's, there's an age when you come to, I mean, I suddenly realized who I was when I was 60 years old. Uh, I'm 71 now. And uh, at 60 years old, I, I realized that I, you know, that life wasn't what it, you know, what it was when we were young. And what mm. happens is that you have an incredible, when I was in, in the 70s, 80s, 90s, I was known things were no, but 70s, 80s. And when, the reality hit me when things had changed was in the 90s and, and right. because um, in, in, because nobody saw me on television. So people were like, you know, who are you? Well, you know, things like that. So you suddenly, you know, at first it hurt. It hurt really badly. Then afterwards I thought, yeah, well, you know, I can see why they're doing that. It's because I'm not on television and I have to, and this is reality now. Reality sinks in there, you know, so you've got to do something else um, because you've got to survive. And to survive, you've got to pay your bills and you've got to do this, you've got to do that. So I survived. I survived by being uh, um, an executive uh, assistant to um, uh, to directors of uh, companies or um and by you know, and really being, being proactive, and and that's survival, and that's also um, you know, reality was sinking into into you all the time. And when you were, when I was working in ordinary places like charities and things like that, um, mm. you know, people used to come, aren't you? Aren't you? I know who you are. I know. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, no, no. You know, I didn't want to know. I did not want to know who I was. Um, I, I was who I am today, you know, and this is my name. This is who I am. I'm doing something and I am actually um, working for a living. So let me be, let me work for my living. Let me be. I do not want to, I don't want you to come over and say, oh, I know who you are. I know what you've been doing. I know you, are, you were wonderful. No, please go away. And this is how I was. And then all of a sudden, uh, you know, it, it's, it, just came it slapped me in the face by saying hey you've got to accept it the way you know because people are actually going to do that all the time and yeah. you're going to have to accept it if you don't accept it then you know it, you're stupid because mm. then you have to accept it you know what comes to you um so reality did come in very quickly you know in the in the uh, in the 90s and in well, in the millennium, you know, started also. Mm. So now I'm accepting the whole thing because I love the fact that I have actually reinvented myself again in this business. That's you know, brilliant. You That's that is brilliant, isn't it? It's like, um, in a way, a phoenix from the ashes. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm not yet the phoenix. But <laughs> well, I always that think of be. that. You know, <laughs> yes, but you know, I always think of that because I think, I don't know about you two, but I think to myself, we are all somehow, we have this element of a phoenix because we are all in every moment somehow reinventing ourselves because we're changing. 
We're in a constant motion of change. So the old, you know, yesterday has gone. You know, we can never go back to that. Tomorrow, we hope for tomorrow, but really the only time that we have is right now. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. um, And that's um, a sobering thought that in reality the only time that we have in our hands is this present moment. Yeah, exactly. But I, I, think, I think this year as well, I mean, I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to progressing on, uh, you know, like Francoise, I've got, I've got some new sort of projects on, we've both got some new projects on, we all have, and, yeah. and it's, um, life is, is for living and it's about being well, optimistic. Yeah, you, know? well, you have to reinvent yourself all the time mm. and, yeah. you know, and, and make sure that whatever invention you have about yourself you you bring out the best of yourself and you have as much hope um, yeah. you know in your life um and faith uh, about yeah. yourself which is very yeah. important which is very well, this, very important you know this is what our show was about really it's about you know the hope for the future our hopes and mm. what we want what we want to do and as i said there's so much negativity around at the moment and oh. but, there's, but, there's, but there's a lot of hope i always sort of say like when, when the first lockdown came um you know being 60 this year myself and and if i'd have been born 60 years before i would have been in the first world war and probably died as a result of it in a trench you know somewhere so I, i'm grateful really this year even when people were moaning about it i thought well, when we first got locked down and we just thought that we had to sort of stay indoors and watch TV or whatever, I thought, well, this is all right because, you know, I'm safe and, and all the rest of it, not like the poor devils, you know, that went through the really bad times. I think we've lived generally through really good times and it just so happens this year it's been a, you know, it's been, it has been tragic for a lot well, of I people. I think it's, right? opened, it's opened a lot of people's eyes this year. Um, oh, yeah. You know, for yeah, what has been happening that, you know, you can't always have everything no, um, you you you've got to you've got to actually um, you know pay for something. Yeah, uh, I, made it, I think it's made us all sorry, Francois. So I think it's all made us, you know, a lot of us realise that you know, as you say, it's not you shouldn't take things for granted, and the simple things yeah. like your family and your friends and making time for people. You that's know? right. That's right. That's, and talk to people. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, wherever you meet, um, you know, whether homeless or whether whatever, you know, talk to them, talk to them and and make sure that they're OK. Yeah, um, don't, you know, don't leave them there. And so, you know, just give them money or whatever it is, but always talk to whoever it is, you know, whoever you meet in your life, you talk to people, talk to them and, and find out who they are, find out because we only have one life, really. Yeah. Um, and like me, I'm at Elstree Studio today, and tomorrow I might not be there at all. Um, like the guy who was the, one of the guards uh, um, in, in the at Elstree um, yeah. was there two days ago, and then he he had a, a cardiac arrest and died. Oh, you know. Oh, um, yeah. So life is life is very short um, when you look at it, and and you only have one life. So do the best you can out of it. Unless you're James Bond and then you only live twice. I thought I'd get that one. <laughs> I doubt that. If it's James yeah. Bond only lives once. <laughs> I was just saying, he did, yeah, he did, he did, he, yeah. And because we've lost, because we've, we've lost Sean, 
We've lost Sean Connery and, and, and Roger, Roger, Roger Moore before that. So, yeah. Nick's trying to get himself out of it, Francoise, now. I've given up trying to get out of things. Just, uh, you just want to be James Bond, don't you, Nick? Oh, yes. do you know what? I'm more like Brooke Bond, unfortunately. Uh, and the, uh, that's story. Or, ba- or Bond, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, Francoise, what's your, what are your hopes for the, other than the film, what are your hopes for the sort of going forward, your, for the future and... And you know, from from now, well, what, what's Francois gonna gonna be sort of hoping for in the next sort of coming years? Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm one day at a time, Nick. One day at a right. time. Okay, that's a good answer. That's, a good, that's answer. good advice, actually. As yeah, well, one day at a time. Unfortunately, mm. it has had too many. Um, you know, I've, I've got this film has really put so much on me, and it's. It's got to be. I'm thinking more of it all the time and is, making uh, sure that it happens. Yeah. Are you filming other than Elstree? Are you on any locations at all? Will it, will um, it, will we it, are going to actually it? be. Uh, we are going to be on location for. Um, let's see. Uh, uh, we will be uh, in Mauritius. Uh, we're location in Mauritius and London. That's right. Oh, okay, okay. So that's 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 cool. So you'll be. When was the last time you went back to Mauritius again? Oh God, was about three years ago, three four oh, okay. years ago. When I there okay. wasn't it? Didn't I? Yeah, I think I, think I, could so. remember, I, remember I was out went, there because I, they've asked me. They asked me to open a school, uh, an acting school. That's out it. There. Yeah, I remember you said you'd gone. I couldn't think when it was. That's yeah, right. Yeah. I heard about three or four years ago. Um, I didn't like it then. I thought you're not going to like it again. <laughs> right. Okay. It's too hot out there. It's, it's horrible. Is it? Yeah. Is it very humid? It's it, it, it's humid now. Um, uh-huh. Sort of like December, January, um, February, it's, it's humid and horrible. And that's when they have cyclones and things like that. Um, comes March, they it, it gets cold, uh, not cold. I mean, their weather is like, uh, their cold weather is like our summer. <laughs> All right. When, when oh. you went back, when you went back, did you visit your, your family home? Did I what? Did you, did you go... Because your family home when you were when you were like when you, you were born in Mauritius, wasn't you? So you, I was you, born there, and I left yeah, so, when I was twelve. Yeah. So did you did you go back? You was you know in your book you talked about your your, your the lovely home that you had and the seven bedroom place and it, it yeah. sounded wonderful. Did you did yeah. you go did you you know go back and re, you know re, revisit the place or did you go? I did. Did, you, I did. I did. I went and and revisited it, and uh, I'm afraid it was taken over um, and. Um, um, about seventeen families work <laughs> lives there. Really, really. Oh god, <laughs> Yeah, I'm afraid so. Um, Francois, you know, tell us yeah. about your book. Sorry, tell us about your book. Where is it available, and what's it called? But it's not. I'm afraid it's been oh. uh, continued because I will have. You know, I'm looking for another publisher at the moment so that I can re-publish uh, my book and mm. redo it. So, um, if there's any publisher listening, um, there you go. <laughs> Get in touch with me. Um, well, we can have but- a little chat afterwards. I might point you somewhere. 
Okay. Okay. Yes. Yes. It needs to be redone. Yeah. And I had Mm -hmm. a very bad publisher, very, very bad publisher. Um, And um, I wasn't happy with them at all. And uh, the book did quite well, but they did not market the book at all. And, uh, you know, when you have a book that's out, you have to market it. You have to actually get a lot of the, um, a lot of publicity through it. And they did not nurture that. So, um, you know, so it didn't do as well as it should have done. But um, I'm looking Yeah, it's important. It's not just about writing it. People need to know it's there. Exactly. It's very important. I mean, like my friend... Yeah, it's like my friend Leslie Ann Jones, you know, she's written so many books um, about Bowie and things like that, and only about Lennon now that she's having such a, a great publicity thing is because she's got a very, very good, um, you know, publisher. Makes all the difference, that's for sure. Hello? Oh, well, you'll have to, I hope that... It makes an enormous to- amount. Yeah, yeah. I hope you're going to bring it out. Yeah, again, and, and then republish it. Yeah, I would like to do it, you know, ASAP, actually. Yeah, that would be very interesting reading. Is it uh, an autobiography? I have to read. Uh, there's a lot of things I have to add in and and put in and things like that. Yeah. Uh, and that would be quite good. But, you know, but at the same time, you know, you've got to have a good publisher that will believe in you. Um, and and believe in the book, and that is the big problem that we have th- th- these days. Um, if you're, you know, I mean, I haven't been on television. Oh, by the way, I am going to be on television on the twenty first. Oh, really? Are what are you yes, doing? It's, it's uh, called. Um, what is it on the twenty first? It's uh, um, when comedy goes wrong. Right. Okay. When, on when, Channel Five at right. ten o'clock. On the twenty first. On the twenty first on Monday. Oh, would oh. you? Oh, that's. Oh, because I'm. I'm driving. I'm driving. Oh no, I better not say what I was going to do. But uh, I'm, I'll be driving <laughs> somewhere. I'll, I'll, I'll text it to you. I'll text it. To <laughs> yeah, you. Me, me, yeah, message, message me, darling. Message me. I better keep my mouth shut. <laughs> oh, be quiet. Be quiet, Nick. Don't say yeah, anything. Do you, no, no, no. I'm going to. I'm going to be very. I'm, I'm just. I'm just going to be sitting in my, in my armchair for the next 10, 10 years doing nothing. Yes, exactly. Until, exactly. until we. Until we. Until we know what tier we're in. Oh my goodness, it's been wonderful, hasn't it, Nick? Yeah, honestly, I've always wanted to sort of have a, a real sort of good chat and almost like sitting in the same room in a way, but um, with Francoise, although we've, we've all, all, you know, when we've gone out, we've spoken about lots of things, but it's been great. And, you know, obviously with you, Mimi, and, um, and, uh, yeah, I've really enjoyed it. It's been and it's been great, and I'm so glad, Francoise, that you were our first guest as well, and you've launched the Aww. you've launched our, our, our little um, sojourn into the. Um, I'm into so the glad I did. I'm so glad I did. <laughs> it's wonderful. It's very magical. Thank you. Yeah. Well, it's been it's been wonderful talking to you. Aww. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity of um, talking out. You know, sort of. Um, being myself, really, and 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 talk and, and saying what I needed to say. It's that, nice. That, Thank that, you. That, that, that's brilliant. It's wonderful. And, and, it's and really two, wonderful. And you two should talk about the publishing because obviously, Mimi, you've got some connections in that, and maybe you never know. 
Yes, we can talk yeah. it. We can talk about we can that. Talk, then. We can talk, we can talk about, about all sorts of things. We can talk all, yeah, about all ex- sorts of things. Exactly. <laughs> isn't, it, okay. isn't it awful that we can't meet up and, and talk about things now? We have know. to talk about it through a, a Zoom meeting or a... Oh. Oh. I'm hoping, yeah, yeah. I'm hoping um, that we will oh, be able to. I hope so. And we can make it... I think we're still allowed. I think we can meet in a park. <laughs> yes, yeah. I think we are. I think we're... <laughs> it's a drag. When Nick manages to get out of the armchair that he's not leaving. <laughs> no, no, when I manage to get up and do something. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to spending the next five years in this chair. It's going to be nice. You know? <laughs> oh, dear. Francois, I have to ask you, you're such really an effervescent lady and, you know, you really have got this I don't know, this joy for life, for sure. What advice, I would like to know, what advice would you give people out there that are maybe losing hope? Um, Oh, that's a difficult one. Um, Just just have faith in yourself. Mm. Um, And just, you know, um, oh, gosh. I can't I, I can't advise people anything because it's it's unfair if I do. Um people come to me afterwards and say, Well, you told me that that would no, I don't want to do that. Um I, I, I all I can say is still have hope and still have faith in yourself. Mm. Um and yeah. more the more that you you have faith, the more that you know the more that you can succeed in things. Um, but it's up to you, really, to, to to sort of get up and go and do your own thing and believe in yourself. It's really up to you. Um, it's not up to anybody else around. It's just you. You're the only one that counts. You're the only that, one that matters. That is quite something, isn't it? It's well, having that courage. Yeah, you have to have courage you have to you have you know, you can actually get down and, and you know for two a couple of days you 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 can sort of like go oh geez oh, i don't know what to do i don't know what um you know you, you can be down you can be downtrodden whatever but then afterwards you just you know there's something in you is just go go Go, girl, just get up and go and do the things that you need to do and don't lose the hope. Don't lose faith. Just go and do it. Yeah, that's good advice. That's beautiful. Well, it's not an advice, really. It's, 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 it's a, um, I don't know, something that, you know, you should think about instead of something that, you know, um, um I don't know. Like a positive mantra type thing rather than... Yeah, it is. It is, exactly. It's words of wisdom, you know. It's words of... Exactly, exactly. Mm. Well, I don't know how wise I am, but... (laughs) Well, I think very wise. You've been through so many things and hurdles in life that teaches one the wisdom of life. Yes, it teaches a lot of lessons. You know, Mm. the older you get, the, the more of the lessons you... Um, it teaches you and you you just get on with it. You know, you really have got to get on with your life 
and don't moan, stop moaning and yes. stop, you know, being, um, being sort of like, uh, uh, not an only a moaner, but somebody that is always sort of uh, feeling sorry for yourself. The glass half empty nothing people. To yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. You know, you stop it. You know, just, just, just get on with it and, and do it. Go and do it, and that's the way you succeed. Is when you go and do it. Go, 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 get it. Yes. You know. Yeah, I love this thing. I don't know if you two have heard about this. Uh, it's called say yes more, and I think yes. We, are so afraid sometimes to take a risk, to take a chance to change our life because you never know who you're going to meet like we've met today and you don't know what difference it's going to make in your life by just saying, yes, let's do it. Yes, exactly. Yes. 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 <laughs> I don't know if that's what yes. we just agreed to with Nick, but hey, you know. <laughs> yes, oh, yes Nick. So, so I'm going to have to leave you guys. Yeah. Okay. Thank you, Francoise. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so lovely much. Thank you, Thank you so and, much. And Francoise and Mimi have a lovely Christmas, both of you as well, and. Um, and I'll keep and you too. You, you both, and you too, both of you, Mimi and you, Nick. Thanks, have a Francois. superb Christmas. Oh, lots of love. Okay. Cheers, okay. 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 love. Bye bye. Bye bye, bye. guys. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to the Wonderlust Show, brought to you by your hosts Nick Payne and Mimi Novik. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast and see you in the next episode. For more information about Nick Payne and his work take a look at his website at www.bobrummelproductions.co.uk and for more information about Mimi Novik's work take a look at her website www.miminovik.co.uk